Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to Vulgar History, a feminist women's history comedy podcast. My name is Ann Foster. My cat Hepburn is like very much right here next to me. You might hear her purring. I don't know, but she's as excited as we all are to get to part two of Lola Montez. So last week we talked about the origin story of Lola. Her mother, she was born in Ireland. Her mother was Irish. Her father was, I think, English. Then they went and then she grew up kind of free range In India, then they decided she should learn manners. So they sent her to Scotland and then to England. And then she went to Spain, came back, rebranded herself. Now she's Lola Montez, fake Spanish dancer. And this in this part two of her story, we just kind of see what happens next. And I can't, I don't want to spoil or ruin anything. So I'm just gonna just leave it there. So like, take it away, me and Allison. Oh yeah, the guest is Allison Epstein. So that's who the other voice is here. And she's just running around. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. <laughs> I'm from Spain, but I don't know, horse whipping people, whatever. She also had this thought. So the Jesuits, who are also like a weird recurring cameo in this season, she felt like the Jesuits were conspiring against her. They probably were. Probably were because she's not Catholic and they probably didn't love it. <laughs> yeah. So the whole country from the Jesuits to the university students united against her. Oh, she also, so there's sort of like a fraternity at the university and she hired them to be her personal bodyguard. Yes. (laughs) And there was like one incident where they were like carrying her around on their shoulders and they were all wearing no pants. And she hit her head on a chandelier and got a concussion. (laughs) I know you're not talking about like frat boys from 2022, but I'm picturing 14 times carrying her and it's This is the this is the level of detail where I'm just like I can't. There's too many details like this. Like I, I need to keep this to a tight <laughs> three hour conversation. <laughs> anyway, Ludwig's sister, the Dowager Empress Caroline Augusta, offered her two thousand florins. I think is the currency if she would leave Bavaria. Of course, she didn't take it. This who I don't know what this I quote. I'm quoting from somebody, maybe from oh from the Lolo biography, Bruce Seymour. This merely provided the dancer with a kind of dramatic scene in which she reveled, throwing the letter into the fire. She declared she had been insulted by the empress. I'm sure she stamped around a bit, too. I'm sure she stamped on the burning embers. Um, And he did, in fact, make her a countess and also the canoness of the Order of St. Teresa. I love when people like this get religious titles. It's like my very favorite thing in history. They're just like, yeah, you're basically a nun now. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You can be the candidate of this nunnery. Like, um, so the nuns are like, oh, please God, no. (laughs) 
literally god please please yeah so she her time in Bavaria it was 18 months total during this time she um exercised great political power but it wasn't like she was working on behalf of someone else for like their things it's just kind of like what she happened to feel like supporting i think there's something where she supported someone went to her to be like i forget someone was on strike the teachers or something like that and they're like can you support the teachers strike and she's like sure and then she did and then it resolved and then but that was bad because that shows she actually had influence then people hated her even more so the things that she liked to encourage him were um, she was in favor of liberalism. She was anti-Catholic, although she was Catholic. She encouraged him in attacks against the Jesuits. Her ability to manipulate the king was so great that the minister of state was dismissed because he and his entire cabinet had objected to her being granted Bavarian nationality and the title of countess. So it's like it's like when Boris Johnson and everybody quit and then he had to quit sort of vibes. Like everyone just started quitting working for the king. Oh, and this is where we get, wait, wait. <laughs> the Bavarian beer riots. Yes. Um, you did send me a picture of that Wikipedia page without any context. So I need to know what they're doing here. Okay. So Ludwig decreed a tax on beer. And it's a dumb thing to do in Bavaria. I'm going to In Bavaria. Of all places. During, and this is 1844, this is more like Lana what Johnson would know, but there's like a lot of rebellions happening, anti-monarchy kind of everywhere. So you really don't want to like burn those bridges. Yeah. So crowds of urban workers beat up police while the Bavarian army showed reluctance to get involved. Civil order was restored only after the king decreed a 10% reduction in the price of beer. There you go. So this is 18... Yeah, so this is this is all this is the vibe that's going on. So like it's a real lay Miz student revolution vibe of just like the university students are really leading a lot of this stuff. So there's something happening where the, the university students were rebelling and Lola was like, well, you should just close the university. And so then he did, and that made the university students rebel even more. Yeah, it's not gonna help. Yeah. So under pressure from the revolutionary movement, the university was reopened. Lola was literally run out of town. So she had been living in a mansion, which was like invaded in a big sort of like storming of the Bastille energy. So a rioting crowd of Bavarians were just like, leave. <laughs> um, and she did. <laughs> I hate you so much. Please leave my town. Like she's not ever good at knowing when to leave. But I feel like even they made it pretty clear that now was the time. Yeah, Ludwig could not forgive his people for turning against her, but they basically forced him into abdicating. He was succeeded by his son, Maximilian, who was the father of Ludwig II, who built the castles. Ludwig himself um, traveled to Italy to cure his broken heart, <laughs> which took a, cu- a couple months, and then he came back with a renewed zest for life. Was he, he probably felt he was like 43 at that point. Yeah, yeah, like a young man of 47. Um, and he lived to old age, just kind of partying for the next two decades. <laughs> and he did um, continue supporting Lola. So like he gave her uh, an income as long as she never remarried, Asterix. So, but Lola, every time I come to a thing where it's like, and her age was this, I'm just like, what? I feel she's like 24 or something by now. She's very efficient in her scandals. There's a lot that has happened to her. Anyway, so she went to Switzerland, hoping that maybe Ludwig would join her. He did not. And then she went to London, where (laughs) I don't know if she met him on the ship, but like she, I think she did, actually. Um, She met and quickly married a man called George Trafford Heald, 
So, oh no, no, she's 27 at this point because he's 20. And that, and that was like scandalous. The age difference, which I feel like this is one of the least scandalous age differences in her. Experience. They're both full adults this time. So the thing with George Trafford healed 20 years old. He had a large inheritance from his wealthy family. And I think by marrying him, she got English citizenship was also part of her scheme here. Which she already had, but just under the wrong name. Yes. But again, she's like very, it's not just like she's very like distinctive looking, but she keeps doing things, keep reminding people about who she is. Yeah. So she was in fact arrested on a charge of bigamy because the terms of her divorce were that she wasn't allowed to marry while he was still living, but then she was released on bail. So she and her new husband, George, fled to France, then to Spain. I guess she's like, I'll show you my... Motherland. <laughs> um, and then, so remember she married him. He had this inheritance. Um, she got citizenship from him. And then he died mysteriously and his body was never found. So mm. he may have been murdered by her he may have died by suicide uh unclear but she's just like she gets <laughs> she's the widow so she gets the inheritance and here we go um this is giving like really strong vibes of someone coming out of the bedroom in a fur coat and being like oh officer i have no idea like it's you know very much so so she returned to the stage let me see so this is she got a manager who like arranged, she needed money. So she just got a manager who sort of arranged a tour. So she toured Europe and America. This summary says, becoming involved in innumerable assaults, scandals, and legal actions. <laughs> so because her performances to this date were just kind of like doing her dance in the intermission of plays with castanets, it's like, well, you need a longer show. You need an hour. So she commissioned a play called Lola Montez in Bavaria, in which <laughs> she starred as herself. And I'm sure the opening number was her swooping in like a raven in her black shawl. Oh, I wish. Like, like on some sort of like rig. So the play, scripts of it do not exist anymore. But from what people wrote about it, it sounds like she really cast herself as like defending the common man and inspiring revolution because of her ideals of liberalism. Which is not quite what... What? What? Happened? <laughs> that's how she recast her time in Bavaria. So her last performance of the U.S. tour... And this is where I'm excited. She's in the U.S., the country where you live. Yes. And where a lot of the listeners live. So there's some... This is, again, where I'm like, oh, this is good. Like, we're getting into the U.S. So her final performance of this show was in New Orleans, where... At around which time her lady's maid had tried to quit, but Lola wouldn't let her quit. And oh, then she... Oh, no, that poor lady... <laughs> Yeah. Um, Lola struck her, I think, with the whip. Um, the police came to arrest her. Um, and she pulled out a dagger as well as a small vial marked poison. And she said poison, the poison. <laughs> and so she was, I love it. So she's yeah, exactly. So she um she was just like, You'll never take me alive. <laughs> Um, she drank the poison, did not die of the poison, but I think she was also like, you can't arrest me. That's not my real name. <laughs> She's the worst secret identity person I've ever heard of. Yeah. So I, I don't think she was actually arrested for this, for whipping her lady's maid. 
So then she headed to imagining all of the police looking at her dramatically drinking poison, like in the middle of the street and being like, we're just going to walk away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then she headed to San Francisco, where on the boat en route, she met newspaper publisher Patrick Purdy Hall, who she married upon landing in San Francisco. Love was this fourth boat husband. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just like, go on a boat, meet a husband. That's what's happening. He's also a newspaper publisher as well. So does he run the art section? (laughs) Probably, presumably. I don't know if there is an art section in the newspaper because this is like, we're in the gold rush. (laughs) Old timey prospectors era. Or it's a snake in my boot times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's in California during the gold rush. And this is where she... I don't know if people are getting tired of her performance of Lola Montez in Bavaria, but this is where she debuts the spider dance, which I think I've also sent. I know I've sent you a picture of her performing. You have. That so, one will also be on the Instagram. I assume because it's one of my favorite historical drawings of all time. Can you describe it? I don't know if you have it in front of you or if you could bring it up and describe the spider dance. I will dance. bring it up because I do have it because you sent it to me twice to make sure that I still had it. Um, It is, I believe, Lola Montez doing a sort of ballerina leg up elevated dance, looking very pleased with herself. And below the stage, on the stage and in the box nearby, there are three men staring at her like they've never seen anything so awful in their entire lives. My favorite one is the old gentleman in the wig hiding behind the newspaper, staring at her with just like. I've seen the devil eyes. It's incredible. (laughs) It's quite an image. Oh, and that just reminded me, I forgot to tell you the other foot thing. So when she was with Ludwig, he loved her so much. He showered her with gifts. And one of them was an alabaster mold of her foot. Oh, no, wait, no. She gave him that. That's so much worse. Yeah. (laughs) To put in his gallery of beauties. Ah! And And then he gave her a gift that was alabaster mold of his hand writing a poem to her these two honestly age difference aside they're perfect for each other they kind of were yeah <laughs> too bad bavaria ran her out of town i know okay so this is the spider dance so this is where so her dance she had been doing earlier was maybe inspired by the tarantella which is an italian dance done in partners like two dancers so that's not what she's doing but the tarantella i think is a dance where it's like, it's as though you have been bitten by a poisonous spider and you're like doing erratic, crazy things is what the Tarantella looks like. It's because it's just a fast dance with a lot of stomping. She expanded that at this point into her spider dance in which her dance was like, oh no, there's a spider in my skirt. Where's the spider? Like, is it in my skirt? Let me just flip up my skirt. Oh no, spider. Um, so it's just a very erotic dance about her <laughs> trying to find where the spider is on her clothes, which she flaps around to expose various parts of her body, her beautiful feet, etc. Some people said that she wore no undergarments, which would be in line with the can-can at the Moulin Rouge, which is like the whole thing, like why they would kick their legs up high is to show like that they didn't, that they were exposing their full undercarriage. Anyway, so the notorious spider dance is she deployed here. Now, some writers have said that she was doing the spider dance earlier, but I do think she debuted the spider dance in the oldie times gold rush to an audience of Yosemite Sam type people. (laughs) They weren't ready. 
Um, yeah, so she married Patrick Purdy Hall. They soon divorced. It's said she tossed him down a flight of stairs <laughs> and threw his clothes out the window. Um, I can picture that so clearly. And then this part is confusing. So I don't like no paperwork ever happened for them to actually be divorced, but they certainly separated and she couldn't legally marry anyway. So he named a Patrick named a German doctor as a co-respondent. So if it was like, I think she was sleeping with him. I'm not sure. A few days later, that doctor was found shot dead in them hills. Because <laughs> it's wild, westy. Old-timey, gold, gold rush times. Yeah. yeah. You know, anything goes. During this era, so she always had a dog with her in various places. But at this point, she was given a gift by, I think, one of the old-timey prospectors of a bear cub. Oh! <gasps> You know I'm here for a pet bear. It's one of my favorite historical motifs. Yeah. Who is it? It was Percy. No. Who was it? Byron had Byron. one. And then Madame de Montespan had one too. And I love them both. So delighted to have a third pet bear person. Yeah. So she had a pet bear, but eventually the bear mauled her and then she gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> and I forget. It's always what I expect to happen in those stories. One way. Well, I think maybe if you're like, Lord Byron, maybe I think the bear was trained or something. They just gave her a wild California yeah. grizzly. Yeah. Like, Here you go, Lola. And she's like, oh, it's cute. Ah. Um, oh, no, it's also a bear. Yeah. And I think ugh, I didn't write it down, but the bear cub did not have a like racist name. I think the bear was called like Independence or something like that. <laughs> Which is the most Yosemite Sam thing to name. <laughs> <laughs> so during all this, like she was a tabloid sensation in America. Uh, one of the most popular stories about her being that she used the horsewhip she carried on stage to beat men who had offended her. So I do think another picture I sent you is a drawing of her wielding a whip at men who are cowering. So she denied the rumors that she beat men with a horsewhip. Um, although she did say there was one comfort in all these falsehoods, which is that these men very likely would have deserved horsewhipping. I mean, is she wrong? She's not wrong. No. So she settled in um, a place called Grass Valley which is still there. Her house, like the house of Lola Montez, is a California historical landmark. So if anyone listening to this lives near Grass Valley, which truly sounds like a fake name and like Lego set or something, you know, you could go visit Lola's house there. And the, anyway, she's like, okay, I'm done being here with the, oh, I didn't say this, but the, um, this is later. Anyway, when she performed for the gold prospectors, apparently they threw gold nuggets at her feet. <laughs> Which is their version of like dollar bills. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> also I, dangerous. <laughs> I just love that she her involvement in like the gold rush, old timey prospector era. Like she's truly international traveling the 19th century. Yes. I did not expect us to come to prospectors, but I'm very glad we did. Yeah. Oh, wait. Hang on. There's a podcast that I was listening to to get more. Oh, yeah. She bought a mine during that era as well. Yes. There's a podcast called... Wait. I saved it because it's a podcast about women of old-timey prospector times. It's called... I hope that's what it's called. It's called Queens of the Mines. Anyway, that was that was one of my references for this because she really... She talks about Lola's time, her, her old-timey prospector era. So then she's like, I need some more money. Time to go on tour again with Lola Montez in Bavaria. <laughs> her, her play 
starring herself as herself. There's probably three people in the West who haven't seen it yet. There's other actors in it too. It's not a one-woman show, just notes. So she hires other actors to be in it with her. So she hired a young actor named Noel Follen as her manager, and they sailed to Sydney, Australia. Where she married him on the boat? You would think. But in this instance, no. I mean, this is the first time she took a boat trip and didn't (laughs) emerge with a husband. Uh, Let's see. So they went to Sydney with their their acting company. They performed Lola Montez in Bavaria at the Royal Victoria Theater. (laughs) Inexplicably, this detail is here. So her manager is the actor Noel Follin, F-O-L-L-I-N. But then he changed his name to Folland, F-O-L-L-A-N-D. Okay. What are you doing, Noel? I don't know. Anyway, so they went to... (laughs) Okay. Um, So (laughs) this is her Australia era. So there's also... Like, she's from... She was born in Ireland. So the Irish claim her. She had this time in um, Bavaria. So it's like she's like German history talks about her. Then she was like the Wild West, like oldie time prospector era. So there's like an American thing. And this is like Australia also. Like I was watching a YouTube video of like there's people from an Australian museum talking about her because she had, she went to Australia. This is the first time we talked about Australia, I think, on this podcast, which also I'm excited about. I know there's listeners there. Let's see. So a sheriff's officer followed them on board with a warrant of arrest for her debts, a debtor's warrant of arrest. Lola undressed. So sorry. He went on the sorry. They went on the ship to arrest her for being a debtor. Okay. Lola undressed in her cabin and dared the officer to seize her nude, but <laughs> but he was like ah and left <laughs> and did not arrest her. So there's a strategy for us all. I'm not sure that's gonna work anymore for everybody, but work for her. I think it would just be that thing of like you know if you're being attacked, it's like just act like you are out of your mind, and maybe the person will back up because you're so unpredictable. Wrong with this lady. I'm this is just this is just too weird for me. This is very standing with a vial of poison in the middle of New Orleans way to get out of a crime. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I'll drink this poison. Let's do it. You'll I'll see. get naked. You'll see Watch it, says, it says poison on it, so you know it's poison. So then she went to Melbourne. Oh, and here it describes a bit about her spider dance as well. So she it began with her pretending a spider was crawling up her dress. Honestly, in Australia. Might have been a real spider. Yeah. <laughs> a huge baseball-sized spider. So the uh, the dance continued with her being, quote, possessed by the spider and ended with her lifting her skirts to reveal she's wearing nothing underneath. So it's truly a burlesque performance. I don't know if burlesque was like a phrase used, but this is like... Yeah. This also reminds me, I was asking... Because I never know anymore. I'm just like, is this a famous person or is this just a famous person to me? Like, I don't, I have no gauge anymore. So I was asking my friend yesterday, I'm like, have you heard of Lola Montez? And she was like, oh, is that a drag queen? <laughs> and I was like, should be. Kind of. If you're I a history nerd. As Spanish. So. <laughs> true, true. Now I'm just thinking if you're a listener and you are a drag queen, like if you could do like the most like deep dive history nerd drag persona, do Lola Montez as a drag show. And take a video and send it to us because I will die of joy. Yes, that. please. You could dance to, I don't know, Rosalia or like, you know, some Spanish music. So let's see. Historian Michael Cannon claims in September 1855, she performed her erotic spider dance at the Theater Royal in Melbourne, raising her skirt so high that the audience could see she wore no underclothing at all. The next day, 
Um, the police thundered her performance was utterly subversive to all ideas of public morality. Respectable families ceased to attend the theater, which began to show heavy losses. So much as she destroyed Bavaria, she's destroying this theater's income stream. <laughs> she was... <laughs> How does she do it? Okay, I keep pre-laughing as I read a thing before I read it loud, but... She was denounced by the press, but the mayor of Melbourne, sitting as a magistrate, refused an application for her arrest. Like, she just knows how to get the men in high places to take her side. I'm really impressed that she's just like, everyone hates me except for the mayor, except for the chief police. The only person who matters. You only need that one guy. Exactly, exactly. She would find that guy. So from 26th November to 31st December, she played to full houses in Adelaide, returning to a rapturous welcome at Sydney in January. She opened at Ballarat on February 16th in a series of sketches. Oh, here we go. Greeted by packed houses, she invited miners to shower nuggets at her feet as she danced. So I guess Australia is also having a gold rush. Did not know there was an Australian gold rush. And I love the way that this way it's unfolding is that she asked, please throw gold at me. I think that would be neat. Like, I didn't know you could ask people to hand you gold nuggets. She has got, like, I don't, who is it in, I don't know, X-Men or something where it's just like, you can use your thoughts to make people do things. Like she has that telekinesis, like ability to just like make people do things. It's weird. And she should not be getting away with any of this. I don't know how it's working, but it's been working for like 15 years at this point. Yeah. It just keeps going, Allison. This is where I'm just like, this is where I can't get into every detail of everything, but it's like, she gets off, she gets away with everything it is bananas part of this her thing is also because again like i don't take away from like the people of ireland she is your national heroine and i respect (laughs) that but she was educated mostly in england by like upper in an upper class way so she was very well spoken she was very her manners like she knew how to act like a fancy lady and most actresses didn't have that background. So she stood out from other performers because she had this kind of like air of like quality fancy lady about her. So she kind of stood out in that way. Like people were often surprised that she was like very intelligent and could talk about like political situations and things. It's like, yeah, she's like doing a wild Spanish accent the whole time. (laughs) I think that fades. I don't know. (laughs) We'll get to the part where she just like kind of like disavows that. But um, let's see. So, right. Ballarat. So this is a place that I know from Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. There's a episode that has the word Ballarat in it. Anyway, so the editor of the Ballarat Times um, wrote a bad review of her spider dance, which, you know, she she didn't get in bed with this guy figuratively or not. And she's just like, how dare you write a bad review of my spider dance burlesque show? And then she found out that the editor was like happened to be in the like foyer of the hotel where she was staying. So she came out with her riding whip to attack him. He had his own riding whip with him. (laughs) We love a bitch who comes prepared. (laughs) So they just kind of had a, so she whipped him. He had his own whip. He whipped her back. (laughs) I don't know how you do it. Like a whip on whip duel. Like you can't sword fight. They're so weakly. Like I can't picture. It would just get stuck. They get stuck together, wouldn't they? How? So in public, like outside of this hotel in Ballarat, I hope someone listening to this is in or near Ballarat and can send me a picture of that hotel. I don't know the name of the hotel. Anyway, (laughs) 
<laughs> Ballarat Tips of Brigade, do some Googling and take a picture for me. Anyway, so they did this whip. I guess the whips just got tangled up or they just realized it didn't work, whatever. She challenged him to an official duel. Either <laughs> she gave him two options for this duel, either pistols or sort of like in the Princess Bride slash Russian roulette, she would offer him a box with two pills, one of which was poison and one of which was not. Like the pilot episode of Sherlock. I am obsessed with this. Can I say, I'm going to talk about Sherlock Holmes later on. Okay. But um, so she was just like, <laughs> I challenge you to a duel, either guns or pills, where it's like, do you know what poison is? Like, he does not. We've established this in New Orleans. He did not take her up on this. <laughs> Either option. <laughs> I want to say this reporter is the hero of this story. I think this reporter, he did not succumb to her charms. He wrote a bad review of her. He came prepared with a whip. <laughs> and then he just like shut down her quest for a duel. He was just like, no, I'm not having any of it. No. A hero. I love him. Yeah. Let's see. So in fact, he published another article critical of her. She mentioned the fact that he tried to poison him with secret pills. Yeah. I mean, I think we know a lot of this stuff because he wrote about it. But she also, sorry, I haven't said this, but like just know that throughout her life, she has been a regular writer of letters to the editor at every city she's ever been. I just being like, I am a Spanish person. My broken English was taught to me by an Irish nanny. <laughs> anyway, so she put out a warrant to arrest him on a charge of criminal libel for <laughs> being critical of her. But then she failed to appear when the case came up for trial. So I guess she didn't really care that much. She also just never goes to her trials. Wait, here's just a sentence. Um, she had meanwhile been assaulted by the wife of her Goldfields empresario and took a full month to recover. I don't know what that means. I don't know who her gold. I don't know what a Goldfields empresario is. I just copy pasted a sentence. <laughs> it sounds dramatic, whatever happened. Anyway, I do also want to mention that she has had malaria like since her she went to India for the second time. Like she's had symptoms for her whole life that are like probably malaria. So she has had some illness. We've had several people on the podcast lately who have had medical things with them. And her medical thing with her is that she just has long-term malaria, apparently. Doesn't stop her. Although I think she did say in... um in some of her shows where she does the spider dance, she could be like, oh, the spider bit me. I just, I'm woozy for a minute. So she could like work her like symptoms into the performance. Whoop. Yeah. You know what? Make your accommodations, lady. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Make your accommodations during your sexy spider burlesque performance for the old timey Australian prospectors. Yeah. You know, what do you need to be able to do your job? Your job, which is doing a spider dance. Oh, I need to talk about the spider dance in terms of the TV show Dickinson. So. <laughs> Neither of us have seen the TV show Dickinson. We have not, despite the fact that both of us are the target audience for the show. Dickinson. Exactly. There's just too much TV. There's too much TV. I can't. I can't. I'm too busy watching Murder, She Wrote and Old Seasons of Survivor. I can't watch things. <laughs> anyway, so, but there was like a mini flurry of articles about Lola Montez about a year ago because in season two of Dickinson, so Emily Dickinson's sister is a character on the show and she's dating this newspaper reporter. And it turns out that the newspaper reporter had had an affair with Lola Montez. So Lola Montez does not appear on the show ever, but I guess people mention Lola Montez and then they look off screen and like Spanish castanet music plays. (laughs) So it's like a recurring joke in season two. And then the sister gets, is so just like, she feels so um, 
inadequate knowing that this guy who she's into was with Lola Montez before and she did this famous spider dance. So there's a moment where the sister does a spider dance on Dickinson to try and like... And so there's articles about the choreographer. They're just like, we don't know what Lola Montez's spider dance was like, but here's how we imagined it was. So Dickinson, a TV show on, I think, Apple TV Plus that I've been meaning to watch for a while. Maybe now I will. And now we're just going to take a break for a word from our sponsors. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. So the thing is, I have allergies. My nose gets stuffy. I get sort of sinus congestion. And it just really can sometimes get in the way of doing things I really want to be doing, like recording this podcast, for instance. But you might have noticed that when you're listening to this podcast, you never hear me sounding like a duck or uh, with a runny nose. I'm never wiping my nose or stuff on the microphone. And that's because luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. So I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies, and the thing is, when I'm using it, you won't even know that I have allergies. My voice sounds so crystal clear when I'm recording and when you're listening to me right now. But also when I'm not doing podcasts, when I'm doing other life-related things, like just going about my day-to-day life, like sitting on the bus or going to work or whatever, going to the movie theaters. I don't have to worry about like, do I have tissues with me? Do I have a handkerchief? Is this noise bothering everybody? Am I being gross? Ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. And we're back. See, so I just I'm gonna say some more Australian place names. Just shout out the Australian Tits Out Brigade because we've never been there before in an episode. So April successfully toured Bendigo, Castlemaine, and other Victorian towns. And then she sailed back to San Francisco with Foland. Oh, 
right, right, right. So I think that she just got tired of doing Lola Mondes in Bavaria or she ran out of money or she just like decided to screw everybody over because she left her the other actors there <laughs> and just went to San Francisco and just like abandoned the acting troupe in Australia. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Oh. I, I don't know. I feel like it's a forget Australia. Are any of you descended from those stranded actors? <laughs> <laughs> did, did, they, did they just stay there? Become prospectors? I don't, I do not know what happened to these actors. But she had her manager, Fulland, <laughs> formerly known as Fulin. Anyway, so near Fiji, he was lost overboard. No official investigation seems to have followed. So this is the second water-based mysterious death of someone in her. And I mean, this is immediately after she stranded like eight to 14 people in Australia. So like, what? Yeah. Not a great record. I will say though, she does seem to have felt badly about this because she, I think, went and visited Folan's, I forget, family members or something. Like, I think she- Sorry I threw your son off a boat near Fiji. Really regret that. I could see her life is so chaotic. They might have just been doing something goofy and he just fell overboard. She's like, Ugh. like not maliciously, but they were just like, I dare you to whatever, you know, like. And they're just like, keep driving. I messed uh, up. Don't yeah. worry about it. Don't worry about it. I left him in Australia too. Uh. So she attempted a theatrical comeback in various American cities, but this is she failed in her attempts. And so she pivoted to doing a lecture tour. about what i will tell you about what so one of her topics this is kind of like a ted talk type thing so one of her topics was gallantry (laughs) a talk about the gallantry of men including ludwig the (laughs) first she also did a talk called wit and women of paris which was kind of just talking about the people she met in paris like george sand alexandre dumas she had a talk about romanism which was a harsh critique of the Catholic Church. And she also had a talk called Heroines and Strong-Minded Women of History, Hmm. a.k.a. Vulgar History. Should I do an in-person tour? (laughs) I think so, but you have to to choose the nationality you're going to pretend to be for the whole time. (laughs) Well, I think we know it's going to be French because that's my (laughs) best accent. (laughs) Your Jerry Arbach is very good. Wait, wait. So... Yeah, the heroines and strong-minded women of history. So this is like, where are we? We're like 1858. So it's like early days of like suffragette, like women's rights, like baby movement is like starting. She's what, like 35 now? She is in her 30s, yes. But so her talk about heroines and strong-minded women of history was basically, one might be mistaken to think, oh, she's like being a suffragette influencer. It's not really. So she... Her, this talk is about how women warriors and queens of history were great, but uh, the like her contemporary women suffragettes were also, uh, she called them scolds and thought they were annoying. Nice. So she also, she published, <laughs> she published a book. Um, like so many reality TV stars who are just like, ooh, I need to, like, what can I do? Like my reality TV show is done. I'll write a book. Her book was called the Arts of Beauty or Secrets of a Lady's Toilet with Hints to Gentlemen on the Art of Fascinating. Nice. She's going for the full Instagram influencer. Brown. Yeah, very like much. It. So the first part of the book is Secrets of I also of a- love that she almost titled this book the same way Donald Trump titled his book. Like, we really love a, a nice construction there. 
one. It's good. Did she write this book herself? No. I mean, did she? So the beginning of the book is a beauty guide for women with recipes for like skin creams and advice for how to maintain a shapely figure. Here's a quote. Exercise, not philosophically and with religious gravity undertaken, but the wild romping activities of a spirited girl who runs up and down as though her veins were full of wine. So try whipping. It's great for the arms. (laughs) Everything should be done to give joy and vivacity to the spirits for nothing so much aids in giving vigor and elasticity to the form as these. She does talk about how no serum or clothes or makeup can make a woman more beautiful than her intelligence and her confidence. Aw, that's like really good advice from 2005. (laughs) No, it was actually like kind of progressive for its time. Although, comma, she does also include recipes for skin whitening. Well, and then she let's see she talks about (laughs) she talks about like the ideals of female beauty which is basically kind of like dark hair big eyebrows (laughs) look as much like me as possible have straight teeth here's a quote the bosom should be white and charming neither too large nor too small the breasts equal in roundness and firmness rising gently and very distinctly separated it should be exactly big enough to make King Ludwig I very suspicious. Here's another detail. This just gets very anatomical, actually. The sides should be rather long and the hips wider than the shoulders and go down rounding and lessening gradually to the knee. The knee should be even and well-rounded. How, like, what if what it's not? What am I supposed to do about that? How am I supposed to fix my knees, Lola? And then, okay, but the best part of the book is the second half of the book, which is the rules for men on the art of fascinating, which is actually like a sarcastic parody book where she just kind of like says sarcastically, here's what you should do. But it's like, she, it's like clearly here's her phrase where she like is incorrect. There's something about like, never take no for an answer, like pursue women. Even if she like faints dead away, it's like, she's being sarcastic. She actively is being sarcastic. She has this one passage I'll read to you about basically man spreading. So it's 50 rules. This is rule 27. Always make yourself comfortable in the presence of a lady, which you may do by sitting on the outer edge of your chair and allowing your shoulders and body to fall backwards while your legs are projecting forward into the middle of the room and thrown apart like the divergent prongs of an immense pitchfork. This is an elegant and tempting position. I see she has met people on public transit. She also, um, so she's doing this lecture tour. I think she published the books around the same time so she could like sell the books at the lecture tour because books... Plural, like her second book was her autobiography slash written copies of her lectures, which is just called Autobiography and Lectures of Lola Montez, which is how we know the contents of her lectures. So yeah, she wrote the book and then she wound up in New York City. (laughs) And she started, or maybe she always had been, but she was helping like, women in need question mark she was doing i think she was like i don't know i don't know okay she spent her last days in rescue work among women so she was doing some sort of good deeds type stuff like maybe some of the proceeds from her lecture tours went to like help women's shelters or something like that that sounds lovely and also wildly out of character like where did this come from it does here so november 1859 The Philadelphia press reported Lola Montez was living very quietly uptown and doesn't have much to do with the world's people. 
Some of her old friends, the Bohemians, now and then drop in to have a little chat with her. And though she talks beautifully of her present feelings and way of life, she generally, by way of parenthesis, takes out her little tobacco pouch and makes a cigarette or two for self and friend and then falls back upon old times with decided gusto and effect. But she doesn't tell anybody what she's going to do. So I think her Valeria was getting worse is what's happening. Like, I think she just wasn't up to performing anymore. Oh, and then also at the time she did the lecture tour, this is where she just sort of like was like, I was born in Ireland. Like her autobiography is like, I was born in Ireland. Then I went to India. Then I went to Scotland. I'm not from Spain. I decided to say I was from Spain. So she just like gave up all the pretense and was just like owning. Hey, by the way. Yeah, it's kind of like her new era. She's just like, oh, guess what? That was all a lie, but I'm still famous. So here we go. And she seems to have acquired somewhere along the way also syphilis. She had a stroke at a very young age. She was 39, which may have been an effect of like combined malaria slash syphilis type situation. And she got, she just died very quickly. Like we've been going and going and suddenly she's like, and now she's dead. Like, like, wait, wait, wait. You did say like in her last days about 30 seconds ago. And I was like, but we're, there's so many more days to have. I know. I know. She died age 39. Ugh. That's it. And this is another thing I wanted to mention. So she's buried in the Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn, New York. I know there's listeners there. Go to that cemetery and take a picture because please. Her tombstone says Mrs. Eliza Gilbert, (laughs) which is like not a name she ever had. Like she was born Eliza Gilbert, but she was never Mrs. Eliza Gilbert. She was Mrs. James. And then she's Mrs. Other last name. So the name is wrong. It's not even Lola Montez. The gravestone says died age 42, but she was in fact 39. But like so many people, she fudged her age. Because, but this is weirdly saying she was older than she was. I th- Do you think she just had so many lies at this point that like no one knew? She put her she, autobiography. We're like, we have no idea what her name is. She name. didn't know. I'm sure she didn't know. So this is legacy slash in popular culture. So here's some things you might've heard of. Lola Montez has been mentioned by several writers as a possible source of inspiration for the character of Irene Adler. It's all coming back. (laughs) In the Sherlock Holmes story, A Scandal in Bohemia, the character is a popular performer who influences national politics through her relationship with a powerful individual and is also smart and beautiful. So she has a whip in the Sherlock TV show for no reason, but... But maybe this reason. Maybe it's this reason. It's it's totally not this reason. That's just like Stephen Moffat is a gross person is the reason. So now I do not, again, I didn't have time to dive deep into everything, but so there's the musical Damn Yankees, which I will recap because you hadn't heard of it until I told you about it. What I told Anne was that I had always assumed Damn Yankees was one of those many, many musicals that's a bunch of Navy sailors go to New York for a day because that's like most musicals. So I had just assumed I didn't care. And then Anne told me what it's actually about. Yeah. So it's a retelling of the story of Faust. (laughs) I didn't know. Which is written by Christopher Marlowe, right? Uh, Yeah, it's probably based on the German version, though. Yeah. So it's basically a guy in 1950s who is like, quote, (laughs) middle-aged in this context. A young man of 40. (laughs) Um, He... He's a fan of the, the Yankees, the baseball team, but they always lose. So then he sells his soul to the devil, who in the musical is portrayed as a person called Mr. Applebaum. And then so that the Yankees could win the pennant. And so what Mr. Applebaum does is he turns the guy whose name is Joe 
um, into a young, strapping, like really good baseball player. So he'll be the star of the Yankees team. The Yankees will win, blah, blah, blah. But then to make sure that he doesn't renege on his promise, Mr. Applebaum gets his assistant, whose name is Lola, to sort of like seduce Joe. And because Joe is always tempted to go back to his wife, who he loves. So Lola is there to be like sexy. She sings the song famously, whatever Lola wants, Lola gets. Allegedly, that was a phrase that people said before that musical. But when you look up the phrase, all that comes up is the musical. But anyway, the phrase was allegedly about Lola Montez. And frankly, is accurate. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets. That is true. That is the story of her life. So I think the character of Lola in the musical, who is shown to be like, she was a human who then sold her soul. And now she's like the devil's sexy assistant. She does a song. um, No, whatever Lola wants, Lola gets is like a Spanish infused song. So I think it's, I think the character is inspired by Lola Montez. It's like a Lola Montez type person. The character in Damn Yankees. I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to make a theory that the whole concept of just like Lola as the typical name for just like a showgirl person I think came from Lola Montez. I don't think the name had that connotation before her. I don't think. Because like, do you know the song Copacabana by Barry Manilow? Yeah, her name was Lola. She was a showgirl. Uh-huh. I was thinking of Lola the bunny from Space Jam. Yeah. Yeah. It's just sort of like Lola is a name that just kind of means like a sexy person. Mm-hmm. Or Sasha Showgirl. I remember for no reason that I can ascertain when Kelly Ripa had her daughter she i don't i forget if it was like vaginal birth or a c-section but she basically said her daughter emerged from the womb like a showgirl coming out and they're like well we have to name her lola because yeah. it's just like the way her birth was so it's just like the name lola is just like um, i love that you remember that about kelly ripa's baby that's just i love that <laughs> it's i don't know if i remember that until i was reading about lola and i was just like wait is this the genesis of just like the entire like just lola as a name i think she was so famous, so everywhere. And she like marketed herself. Like she did a play about her. Like Lola Montez was a famous person. There's several movies telling the story. The first movie was in like 1919. Like it was just a famous story people enjoyed. The most best known question mark movie is 1955. There's a French film called Lola Montez starring Martine Carroll. It's part of the Criterion Collection. I have not watched it, but I guess it starts with like, I read a synopsis. So it's like, it starts with like Lola is at a circus, which sure, like she's performing at a circus. And then a bunch of men come out representing all of her past lovers. And then the movie is like flashbacks of her remembering her time with Ludwig and her other lovers, I guess. Her time in the Australian gold fields was the subject of the musical Lola Montez, staged in Melbourne, Brisbane, and Sydney in 1958. I love that everyone took her lead and just named everything about her Lola Montez. That's like, why, yeah, like she just really, it's like Lola Monda's trademark. Like she made her name such a vital part of herself, which is why it's insane. Her grave is like Mrs. Eliza Gilbert. I just would love to have heard the musical Lola Montez from 1958. Uh, recording was made, released on LP at that time. Anyway, Joanna Newsom has a title track on the album. Have one on me is about Lola Montez. Now, when you look up Lola Montez on YouTube, because I was like, I want to just see some videos. I want to like see what people are saying. There is a Danish metal band called Volbeat that has, and they have a song called Lola Montez. And most of the YouTube search results are this band, Volbeat, and their song, Lola Montez, and their music video. The lyrics reference the spider dance and the um, co-whipping fight with the newspaper guy. 
I have to know before you keep going. Was the co-whipping fight the detail that made you think I have to get Allison on the podcast? Was that the one? The fact that he had a whip? Yes. 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 Okay, good. Now I, I feel like you know me well. <laughs> no, I was just like, she had a whip. It's like, wait, and he had a whip. And I could just hear you in my head being like, why did he have a whip? <laughs> he had a whip? I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. No, that was absolutely. So there are two lakes named after her in Tahoe National Forest in Nevada County, California. I don't Like Lake Lola, I guess. There's also a mountain named in her honor, Mount Lola. At 9,148 feet, it is the highest point in Nevada County, California. And again, everywhere she went, well, not everywhere she went, but like in Grass Valley, there's like Lola Motos' house you can like visit there. And there's her gravesite. Bavaria, I'm sure there's nothing. <laughs> Probably nothing in Warsaw either. <laughs> <laughs> Warsaw, never heard of her. No. Lola Montez, that name is not familiar to me at all. And that is the story of Lola Montez. <laughs> I love her. She's a disaster. She like really genuinely contributed nothing to the world, but made sure that she was famous anyway. And good for her. It's, she just... Yeah, she just kept going in this unrelenting way. But I love that, like, from the time she was like a little toddler, like in the streets of Calcutta, she was just everyone was just like, oh no, oh no. This... <laughs> she said, oh yes. And she said, no. <laughs> Lola, yes. <laughs> um, I forgot this detail too, but I'll just mention that when her mother found out that, like, she had rebranded herself as Lola Montez and was doing what she was doing across Europe, her mother had a funeral for her saying my daughter, <laughs> my daughter is dead. <laughs> they are the same person. They are both messy bitches who live for drama. And that's the problem. That's the thing. So it's just, I don't know the mother. I find the mother fascinating. And I think the mother must've looked a lot like her just because the father was blonde and Lola was so dark. Yeah. But I think the mother, I think she's, if you're going to do a movie or something, I think the mother daughter relationship could be a good crux of that movie. Yes, I would watch that. I love that the mother's just like, my daughter is dead. And she took it to the extent of like, and I'm having a funeral for her. I feel like she would be like, and I called the newspapers to come to the funeral. And like, I'm Lola Montez's mom. Like, I feel like she's got that energy. It's truly wild to me. Okay, now we need to score her. I'm just bringing up my... Okay, well, we do have the Lady Jane Seymour Memorial Award for Outstanding Supporting Performance. I think (laughs) there's not any... Ludwig, maybe. Does it have to be someone who actively helped the heroine of the story or can it be outstanding supporting character who i love personally because i would like to give it to the australian journalist with the whip his name was harry c camp and yeah i think that would need to be a different award but i think like he gets the allison's choice (laughs) he does get that for sure allison's choice award definitely but yeah, outstanding supporting performance. It's usually where someone is just like in a shitty situation and one person is good to them, but she was terrible to everybody slash mysterious deaths surrounded anyone who dared to get close to her. Some, but there was a quote somebody said about like, if you get close to Lola, like you will probably have your life ruined. And yes, it is true. You'll probably fall off a boat in your Fiji and that's the end. You're either going to marry her or <laughs> get thrown off a boat. And that or is or both. Who is to say? Okay, so, I mean, do we, I don't know, we can discuss this, but, like, how would you score her for scandaliciousness on a scale of 0 to 10? Very, very high, I think is the answer here. I think she's a 10. I 
I think she's bringing scandal with both hands. I think that's all she's bringing to the table and she's very proud of that. I think that is going to be her highest scoring category for sure. But just like every, this is where like, I was going through the discography, the one by Bruce Seymour. And it's like, I maybe perhaps one day would like to write my own biography of Lola Montez that's gotten more like narrative to it. His is just kind of like an itinerary of like, then this happened, this letter happened, this person said this, which is like, there's so many details. I'm like, these details are also great. And I'm just like, this podcast is going to be 15 hours long. I can't, Bruce, Bruce Seymour, like bless you. But like, I can't. There's not time. <laughs> but every detail, well, even the fact like, you know, like she's going to be arrested. So she like strips off all her clothes or she's going to be arrested. So she's like, but that's not really my name. Or she like marries a guy for citizenship and his inheritance and then he mysteriously dies. The thing with the poison vial labeled poison. Yeah. Yeah. It's all for the drama. Every single thing you told there's me. Is too, for there's the point of drama. Too many examples of like, I can't, if she's not a tenant scandalousness, truly who is? Like, you're right. Like, this is what she's bringing to the table is just that. Yes. And the way that she just lived for. <laughs> like a tortoise laying its eggs. <laughs> Can that be the merch for Lola? <laughs> I think it will be a tortoise with a whip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the way that she just never seemed to have long-term planning. She was just like, no, I'm doing this. She didn't even have short-term planning. No, no. Just like, I'm here now and I'm going to dance. I don't even know how the dance is going to end, but I'm here. She's just like, I got my castanets. I'm on stage at the Royal Opera in Paris. Like, let's go. Like the confidence to go out there with four months of dance training to dance in front of the audience who's there to see the Paris ballet. And like to pull that off every year for 20 years is like amazing. The fact that she never got stopped. Yeah. The only thing that stopped her was malaria. Yeah. Like, wow. It's well, and the way that she also like her pivot where she's just like, oh, people don't love the like <laughs> Lola Montez and Bavaria play about her bringing freedom and democracy to Bavaria. They're like, they don't love that. So I'm just going to do a spider dance. Oh, they don't love that. I'll do the spider dance burlesque style. I'll and that's it, but sexier. It's like, oh, I'm having malaria symptoms. I'll just like take a breather in the middle of it. Like, oh, my malaria is worse. Like, I'm just going to go do some lecture tours. What and if the spider had malaria, that's just... <laughs> incredible that pivot in particular okay well and that brings us truly to scheminess and this is again where i ask you the question do they have to be good schemes i think i think the quantity of schemes she had overrides any thought about if they were good schemes or not because they were all bad schemes none of these are like ooh, she schemed her way out of prison or she schemed her way into the throw into the country it was like she pretended to be spanish badly well and like her schemes quote unquote it's like when she went and she broke all those windows and they were like right. who's gonna pay to replace the glass and then like, she like look, look over there a man who broke those windows and she ran away like that's the level of schemes we're talking about here you're right you're right her schemes are just kind of like it was one scheme and it was like find a rich man who will protect me while i do whatever the fuck i want until i'm run out of town by an angry mob then find another rich man. Like they're not, you know, not some of the good schemes, but there are a high quantity of schemes. The poison vial labeled poison. That was the scheme. Unless it really was poison. We don't know. She drank it. She drank it. <laughs> <laughs> and she did not die. So I think it was probably just probably water that, it, but that is like, 
you too. That's like a roadrunner, like Wile yeah. Coyote level, She's like poison. Tunesing her way across 19th century. It's true. Complete with like literal Yosemite Sam. I know this is a Looney Tunes person holding up a sign that says bang and then running away with the whip. Oh my God. Yeah. You're right. You're right. These are not, I was like, oh, she's so ski man. We're like, no, she's not. She's just, she's a tortoise laying her eggs and running away being like, well, let's see what happens with that. Okay. I'm going to be I do think you have to bump. I was going to give her a low score, but I do think you have to bump it up for persistence. Like she didn't stop scheming till the day she died, but like, was she good at it? No, but like the, the quantity, like the fact she lived to be 39 and how many, yeah, I don't know. Like, I do agree. Like, it's definitely more than a five. But like, even the fact like as a little kid, she was like sticking flowers in people's wigs. Like, these aren't schemes. This is just kind of like a bored. Per- yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Like six and a half? Let's, let's say a six, a six for scheminess. Okay. Yeah. Because it's just, she had no lack of. I don't know. You're right. Cause it's like the scheminess that we reward in this is more kind of like clever thinking, like resilient. And she was more this just is kind not of like Fredigan kind of scheming what she's doing. No, no, this is, she's, they're just kind of like, we're going to arrest you. And she's like, but can you arrest me if I don't have, have my real her. name on my passport? <laughs> like, okay. Okay. Significance. Now so this like significance to like world history is like, no, she's not like a queen. She's not a whatever. Where I would put it for significance is like the fact that there's like people in Australia are like, let's write a musical. Like there's so many musicals and movies. Like she made herself, this is like, again, like as a modern day figure, I just think of Julia Fox where you're like, who are you? Why do I know your name? You dated Kanye West for two days and now you're like walking in these, like what is happening? But are you like, Jeff Safi's muse for Uncut Gems? Uncut Gems? Um... Yeah, so she just, I don't know. I like, this isn't to do with her significance, but it's such a common thing now that people are like, oh, these people are famous just for being famous. When you talk to like TikTokers or whatever, it's like, no, like Lola Montez was famous for being famous. This is not like, oh my God, what's wrong with us? It's 2022. People are famous for no reason. It's like people have been famous for no reason throughout all of human history. And Lola Montez was really good at it with like a weird instinctive knowledge of how to keep herself famous. Yeah. So the significance is like, I don't know, like Lola as a name has now been refashioned entirely around her. Um, she has a mountain named after her. That's pretty good. Mount Lola. I love it's like it's like one giant breast is how I think it. <laughs> Perfectly Someone formed. Points at it and goes nature or art. <laughs> that could be the shirt. Just a mountain. It says nature or art. There's definitely something here. So her significance, I mean, I do think like in terms of people we've looked at, it's like we've even like um, Hortense Mancini, like introduced champagne (laughs) to England. Um, And she also like was the first woman to write a memoir. And like Lola just like was like, oh, hey, here, I just like paid a ghostwriter to do this like book of like how to bleach your skin and like have good knee shape. Lola fucked around and never found out. That's what she did. Yeah. Yeah. So her significance, I don't know. Like, what's your what's your gut feeling about this? Like, she's not insignificant. It's not, it's not a zero. I'm no. gonna say I want to say a four. Yeah. Yeah, and that would be I don't know if we want to tabulate exactly, but like one of those points is just for like the name Lola is now what it is because of her. 
she has a mountain and two lakes named after her. Like her house is a national historic site of like California. Like there's stuff like, I don't know. It's like she prematurely ended the reign. I don't know if you ask the people of Bavaria, how significant (laughs) is she? They might have a different answer, but like, I feel like Bavaria was in chaos already. She exacerbated that, but he, like, I don't think she changed the course of history in Bavaria. Like Ludwig, abdicated his son took over like things just kind of like yeah yeah she's not like leading the french revolution although her play i guess was kind of hinting <laughs> her play would beg to differ <laughs> okay and then this is what i've been thinking about so the sexism bonus is i added that category for people who perhaps could have accomplished more had they not been held back by the patriarchy i don't think that affected lola very much i no i don't think patriarchy was what was holding her back necessarily i don't think anything was holding her back (laughs) i mean we do have to say that she was almost married to a 64 year old man when she was 14 like she is not no points for sex right and she was saved from that by being by eloping with a 29 year old man who then abused her abused her so that's like yeah comma and from there she really that didn't really hold her back that really just kind of like got her going yeah I don't think at any point they were, I would, I thought in this story, oh, if Lola Montes was a man, this would all be different. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's like, I had, when I started the podcast, I was like, everybody gets a five because patriarchy is blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't think sexism got in her way much. Like this is a category that's there to help increase scores for women who could have done more, but didn't. Mm Mm-hmm. And she did everything she set out to do, I think. She did. And I think she also, like, she found, like, she knew, and this is not a criticism whatsoever, but she, like, knew what the world was like she was living in. It's like, I'll find the most powerful man. I will win him over to my side, and then I'll be able to do whatever I want. And that was true. And she did. She wasn't like, I'm going to, and the fact that she was all like, oh, suffragettes, they're such scolds. They're just whiners. Like, she wasn't like, yeah, women, although she, like, allegedly helped women later in her life i'm not sure i don't know like a like a two one for each terrible marriage i give her a three a three yeah i just don't want to undersell how bad both terrible marriages were but like i agree with you 100 percent that like this is not this is not a case study in in sexism this is a case study in um fuck around and be terrible (laughs) Yeah, yeah, she just was, the fact that she was just, like, never, she was arrested so many times, but she was never imprisoned. Like, she always got out of things, either because, like, the mayor or the magistrate was like, oh, that's just Lola being Lola. Or she's just like, surprise, it's my naked body! Or, like, I have a whip! Like, she just always got out of it. Oh, boy. This is, thank you, Allison. Like, this is a, like, in the last 48 hours, there's been so many things. I'm just like, every time I learned a new fact, when I was like finalizing my notes, I was like, I need to tell Alice. And I'm like, no, save it for the podcast. I'm like, but I have to tell us no. <laughs> what for the listeners, what she's been doing instead is sending me messages that say, I have a fact to tell you tomorrow and not saying the fact. <laughs> and I have to say you delivered with all of the uh, expectations you had set for this podcast. Lola yeah. Montez, queen of my heart. She is. Yeah. And I, I, this episode is going to air like not right away ish. 
So potentially by the time it airs, you will have done a Dirtbags of History newsletter about her. I How- certainly will be. <laughs> yes. Yes. At some point, it's like subscribe to Dirtbags of... Or is it Dirtbags of History? Is that it? Dirtbags Through the Ages. Dirtbags Through the Ages. Yes. You I know. will drop Anne a link that she can put in the show notes. Because... Yeah. No, this is a story I was reading through it. I'm just like, this is, this this is the thing. This is where I have you on the podcast. I think where it's a crossover moment, like a vulgar dirt bags situation. This is the kind of historical story that I go absolutely feral for, which is a person who is just causing chaos through history. Not, they don't have to be particularly significant. They don't have to like really change the world in any way. They just have to suck in a way that's really interesting. Yeah. Lola is giving me. She's no, exactly. This is in the way that I just like stumbled upon the story while I was researching Cece. And then I had to be like, no, Anne, focus, focus on Cece, focus on the like actually significant historical figure. But also, like, can I say, I cannot imagine two historical women less like each other than Cece and Lola. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, honestly, just like the, I don't know what the word is, the audacity. I guess like the fact that she like went to Munich, she became the mistress of the King and she was just like, and I'm just going to keep being exactly the same and not amend my behavior whatsoever is like bold. You know, like there's other people who are like, Oh, I'm now I'm the mistress. Like I'm going to like clean up my act. I'm going to like act in this proper way. And she's just like, Hey, he likes me for me. So I'm just going to be me. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets. And she did. She got everything. I mean, also just like the audacity of being like, hmm, okay. Like, she's like, I've actively done six intermission, you know, two minute castanet dances. It's like- Therefore can- ready for the Paris Opera House. Yeah. Or it's like, you know, I'm going to do a cross Europe tour. Oh, and I'll just like commission a play about me, starring me as me. <laughs> <laughs> It's a fantastic story, and I couldn't not have shared this with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for telling me the story and introducing me to a uh, favorite dirtbag of Q3. I'm delighted. <laughs> Thank you so much, Allison. Oh, so you have your newsletter, Dirtbags Through the Ages. I will put the link in the show notes, etc. And then you have two books, which if some, if this is someone's first time hearing on this podcast, tell people, well, you have a book and then another book. Sorry. You have a book that is out and then a book that will be out. So tell people about your books. Um, the book that is out now is called a tip for the hangman. It is a historical thriller about um, notorious historical dirtbag, Christopher Marlowe, a uh, friend of Shakespeare and his uh, espionage career uh, available in paperback. Everywhere you buy your books. Um, oh, oh, sorry. Book- sorry. And so does the yes. paperback not have a quote on the cover from me? It does. It says it's from Book Riot, but it's from the Book Riot article that Anne wrote. So yeah, get it for that. Yeah. Um, second book is called Let the Dead Bury the Dead. It's an alternate history 19th century Russia book set shortly after, shortly before um, Lola's failed visit to St. Petersburg. So they don't overlap, but they almost did. I was wondering when we got to the St. Petersburg part. I'm like, is this the part that Allison's book is about? It's like five years later. So Do you need to, re- to rewrite the book to have Lola show up. It is out next September and they will not let me do that. Okay. So I will okay, not but, do that. But maybe for the paperback. <laughs> for the paperback, we're going to add a little epilogue. That's just when all of my characters meet Lola and they're just like, what? <laughs> exactly. If you would like to hang out with me 
in person. I'm not sure exactly when this episode will be airing, but I'm also teaching a virtual historical fiction workshop starting next month. Uh, and you can register for that if you want to and come hang out with me uh, in the evenings on Wednesday nights. Starting that is by next month, you mean October? Yes. 2022. Again, I'm not sure when this is going to. Yep. I'll throw it in yeah. there. If it's too late, then you can feel sad that you missed it. Yeah. But when it's coming up, I will post those links on the Instagram and stuff as well. Exactly. And I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm just like, I, I feel like I need a cigarette after all this. Like, this is just like, oh. <laughs> I feel like I need a whip just to like. <laughs> Thank you so much, Allison. Thank you so much. Here's the thing. So that was an incredible discussion of truly a person who just like jumped out of a history book and forced me to learn more about her. And I'm glad she did. Lola Montez, iconic tits out legend in my mind. Um, I mean, her score, everybody's score is great. She's not, you know, she, we're not going to rename the Fred again, Memorial Scandalicious scale for her, but like, I'm never going to forget that saga. Will you? So we've got more episodes coming up. Um, for the next several weeks, I'm just giving you like a prolonged heads up. Like this season will end at some point. I don't want you to be surprised when it does, but there's still like several more people to talk about. So don't worry about it. If you, and also it's not like, and when the season ends, that's not the end of the vulgar history podcast. That just means like, I'll take a little hiatus, rest my voice after all this talking and come back better than ever with a new season. And so planning these upcoming new seasons, I love getting your suggestions of people to talk about. So you can send me the suggestions. If you go to vulgarhistory.com, there's a little button that leads you to a form where you can suggest things. You can also email me at vulgarhistorypod at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram at vulgarhistorypod where you can send me a message and also just like see all the lols that are happening there, especially in the stories. Twitter at vulgarhistory. And to support the podcast, I mean, listen to it and tell people about it. We are climbing up the, the charts right now. So many people are listening to it. It's really exciting. But I think, you know, by now that I am very competitive with myself. So like, you know, we're in, we're in the Spotify. As I record this, we're in like the top 15. Like, let's get to the top 10. Let's get to the top five. Like, let's just keep doing it, Tits Up Brigade. And we do that just by you telling other people about it and those people loving it. And that's how it all works. Ratings are also involved in some way. So like those are nice too. Anyway, if you want to support the podcast financially, you can do that by buying merch at vulgarhistory.store. Use code TITSOUT for free US shipping or TITSOUT10 for 10% off. And you can also support me slash the podcast directly at patreon.com slash Writer. So just to recap, that's where if you pledge at least $1 Canadian a month, you get early access to ad-free versions of all the episodes. And then for $2 Canadian or more a month, I don't know what the conversion is. Similar. Isn't isn't every dollar everywhere at par right now because we're in this like recession or whatever? Anyway, $2 or more Canadian per month. And then you get the early ad-free access. And also you can vote on polls. $5 or more Canadian per month. And you get access to all of the bonus episodes. So if you join now, there's like so many that are already there. Past episodes of So This Asshole, I'm just trying to remember who I've talked about on there. Those are just talking about gross men from history. So we've got Thomas Jefferson. We've got Henry VIII. We've got Napoleon, actually, which also features today's guest star, Alison Epstein, <laughs> talking about Napoleon. 
Anyway, we've got Hernan Cortez. We've got Christopher Columbus. Like, just, just, it's just me dissing the great men of history. It's a good time. Cathartic for me. And then also there is the Vulgar Peace Theater, which you can get on there. Again, at the $5 or more Patreon level. So that's where Alison Epstein, Lana Johnson, and I talk about various costume dramas we have done recently. Les Mis, the Russell Crowe, Hugh Jackman, quote unquote, musicale. We've also done like an actually good musical, which is Newsies. And coming up, I'm not sure when this episode airs, but like we're going to be doing Queen Margot. Have I said that on the podcast yet? Queen Margot, my most favorite French sexy historical costume drama which for a long time was not streaming anywhere, is now available on Amazon. It's on Apple. It's on YouTube. Because people can watch it now, we're going to be talking about that on a Vulgar Peace Theater episode. And I can't wait because it is truly a tits out movie. I'm going to say it's a dicks out movie because it's a French movie from the 90s. And it's a nudite um, extravaganza. And I think I said everything I, I meant to say in this little wrappy up time. Anyway, there's going to be more tits out stories coming at you soon. And until next time, keep your pants on and your tits out. Vulgar History is hosted, written, and researched by Anne Foster and edited by Christina Lumagi. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.